Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist, and I'm a nutritionist, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. This is Phil Stevens. I'm a powerlifter, a strength coach, I run Strength Guild, and a bunch of other stuff. Hi, I'm John Kilborn. I just graduated college with an exercise science degree, and I am a personal trainer. Okay. Everyone, after we do a little bit of uh, mail... We're going to get to John and talk about um, his competition. He's going to compete here in very short order. In fact, John, when is your first show? My first show is a week from today, the 26th. Okay. So I thought it would be fun to check in with someone who's late stage in a in contest prep uh, for a physique competition. So that's what we're going to do with John after uh, the mail. Let's start with this first one. This is from Brendan. He says, Dear Iron Radio crew, I've been a listener since 2014 when I was a Fulbright scholar in Laos. I had just discovered podcasts and I found Iron Radio shortly thereafter. I began training for Strongman uh, in the absence of a Strongman gym. Uh, when I returned to the States and I competed in the New York area twice in 2015 before some drastic life changes. Uh, the Iron has always been with me, however, and I was able finally to compete again this past weekend at Jeremy Hornstraw's Seminole Strength in Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, I got to meet Jeremy Hornstraw and help him move a 1,075-pound tire, which was pretty cool. Uh, in the stacked novice class, there was no weight limit, and I'm 185 at my heaviest. I was certainly among the smallest of 16 humans. Uh, we cleaned and pressed logs, flipped massive tires, carried a log bar, uh, he says, and fell, which resulted in a sweet hematoma on my right arm. Um, Viking pressed and hoisted the Atlas Stone. Somehow I was able to take third place, and I'm overjoyed for the awesome experience. Uh, I'm once again addicted to Strongman, and I credit Iron Radio's consistency and no BSery <laughs> with pushing me to compete again. I highly encourage anyone who is interested in competing in any strength sport to just go for it. There is definitely nothing to lose in community, fun, and self-confidence to gain. And then he attached some cool pictures here of the event. So thanks uh, for checking in there. That's, that's cool, Brendan. Um, I, I've been to strongman competitions. I've certainly never competed in one, but I know Phil, Phil has. So. Yep, I've done a few. It's fun. Like you said, I mean... Anybody that's on the fence about competing in anything, I mean, the worst thing you can do is take last, and you won't even take that if you don't enter. So oh, that, that's true. You know I mean? Worse than last. <laughs> yeah, you'll be worse than last. So I mean, it's either on the sidelines potentially. So uh, no, it's a lot of fun. So yep, got to throw your hat in the ring every once in a while. Yep. Uh, this next one is from Nathan. He says, uh, "I know you guys have talked about the various types of personal training certifications that are out there. I would like to know which." episodes you covered this in or if you could speak to a couple of options my main concern deals with international recognition 
is there a cert that would be fairly universally recognized? I currently live in Detroit, but plan to move to Toronto next year. Um, I saw the National Academy of Sports Medicine, NASM, seems to have some international presence. Do you think this is a good choice? I'm a full-time engineer, so weekend or night training is preferred rather than having to attend weekday classes. Thanks, Nathan. So, Nathan, you're a lot like uh, Dr. Nelson. And listeners, for what it's worth, Mike and I went back and forth with Nathan a little bit. I tend to like the NSCA certifications if you're going to get out of the gate with one of those sorts of things. Um, the, the CPT, the personal training one, is pretty entry level. I don't think you have to have a university degree or anything. You can kind of get your feet wet. Uh, and then the CSCS, the Certified Strength Conditioning Specialist, uh, is once you have a degree under your belt. Uh, and that's one that like a lot of universities would look for and, and that sort of thing. Um, now, if you're going to move somewhere, I would check the gyms in the area. If you want to mm. do some training on the side, what do they look for? Right. I mean, because they have the right. Some of it's it's like a balance between what's recognized and like demand supply and demand. Right. So if they're demanding it and it's one of the more minor ones, well, do the one that they want you to do. I mean, you could do something mm -hmm. like. Um, what is it like um, USA weightlifting? You could do that in a weekend. You know, if it's if the timing is right, it's not going to make you an expert, but it would get you a, a cert, you know. I don't know, Phil. What are your what are your thoughts about this? Like, you're as a gym owner, what do you look for anything in particular, or is it more experiential? Or uh, it's more experiential, and then all the all the people I'm dealing with are in college, so basically they're going to college for to get a degree in exercise science. Um, okay, mm -hmm. but for him, it sounds you know I'd do it your second part. It's going to be gym to gym. Like if he's going to a certain area, check out the gyms, and oddly enough, you know they're they're kind of each in bed with a different organization. So you're going to just have to go to the one that they want you to. Yeah. So yeah. unless you're talking about opening your own place, so right. Yeah, I don't think he's doing that. If honestly, as an engineer, my thoughts are the same thing as they are with with Mike Nelson, which is you must really love this because there's more money in engineering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But yeah, maybe there's some. Um, there's a common thread up there, like you know, you check in with three, four, five different Toronto gyms, and they all like X, Y, or Z. Well, you know, get the one that they they recognize. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, breadth of recognition though. The American College of Sports Medicine is very broad and has an international presence. So does the National Strength Conditioning Association. So, mm -hmm. um, those are two biggies, at least. Uh, okay, next one. This is from Alan. He says, hello, gentlemen. Um, I reread my email from last night regarding Mr. Ruscio, Dr. Ruscio. Oh, this was a back and forth that, uh, again, Mike and I had with a listener. He was concerned, and he wanted it known that Dr. Ruscio is a chiropractor by nature, not a gastroenterologist. Um, that was my first impression, is that Dr. Ruscio was uh, a gastroenterologist, but um, Mike Nelson introduced him as a functional med physician. Um, and anyway, Alan was concerned about it. He was sort of saying, listen, we need evidence-based practice and that sort of thing. And, and again, so behind the scenes, we're going back and forth. And uh, the book that, that Dr. Ruscio has out actually is loaded with references, but I understand Alan's concern. Um, we've actually, in years past, even had a couple of chiropractors on, on the show that I, I kind of, you know, was wincing a little bit here and there. <laughs> uh, 
But um, just to add something to the conversation, Alan said, a recent up-to-date review about gut health by Sartor, Lamont, and Grover suggests that there is some efficacy of probiotics for certain diseases, uh, such as the treatment of traveler's diarrhea. So Alan was being forthright and just saying, you know, okay, maybe I was a little bit too judgmental just because of the uh, the title, um, you know, of the guest. Uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah, there's data out there, all right? The, the gut biome has tons of data pouring out. It's just really a matter of which one of these things has clinical benefits or not, you know, which ones are just me- mechanisms and curiosity and which ones really help. And then he makes some comments about herbal meds and this and that and wanting placebo-controlled trials. So Alan's an educated guy, you can tell. He just wants good, solid evidence. So I appreciate the feedback, Alan. I think we're all on the same page. One more. Thanks for your patience, John. Um, Peter says, I wanted to share this interesting lit review. Uh, It's actually a video by Dr. Rhonda Patrick. Now, I wasn't previously familiar with her, but I watched the video. It's on heat um, by way of sauna and its effects on muscle hypertrophy and growth hormone release. Also muscle oxidation. Uh, Peter says, Rhonda is a researcher I've seen interviewed a number of times, including on the Barbell Shrugged podcast. Uh, Thank you for your continuing contribution to a scientific community broadly and to Iron Radio. Your program has changed the way I think about training and nutrition. And then he wraps up by saying, please try to get Fortress back on the show. Um, Every once in a while I do pester Fortress, Pete, but I don't know. He is is, Rob, right? He's Rob. Uh, we also talked a little bit back and forth about Sagan and popularizing science and all that kind of stuff. So he's a fellow Sagan fan. And he was basically saying there's really no one that holds that mantle these days, you know, the popularizing of science. Um, I think Neil deGrasse Tyson probably comes close. But anyway, so interesting stuff about this uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick and the growth hormone release. I haven't actually seen any of the published data, but I mean. If sitting in a sauna is going to help with muscle hypertrophy and GH release, I'll give it a go. My curiosity would be that um, age is an issue. And again, I didn't study the video. I just sort of, you know, listened through it. Um, But I know with exercise, once you're in your 30s and 40s, you do not get the GH release from a bout of exercise that you do when you're in your 20s. You know, uh, that was one of the first studies I was ever in, actually, at Kent State back in the early 90s. and I remember the sad little blip of GH that the 30-somethings got after running on a treadmill. Meanwhile, I was in the 20-something group at the time, and you know, you get this massive surge of growth hormone. Honestly, I think that's a big part of why younger people, when they train, they can get very lean more easily than people who are middle-aged, is that GH surge. But, so I, I don't know. I wonder if the heat is the same thing, is if middle age is going to blunt that GH release. But that's a cool thing for, to follow up on, uh, Peter. So thank you for that. Okay, that is the mail. Let's get to John a little bit. Uh, John, we normally start with an origin story. So you're newly minted professional, straight out of college, uh, interested in physique and bodybuilding and all that sort of thing. So how did you get interested in all this to pursue it to such a degree? Um, well, when I was... 15 years old, my father was diagnosed with cancer. Um, So it started off when I was pretty young that health was a a big topic in my family. 
And when he passed away when I was 16, I kind of started being interested more in health and making sure I was healthy and trying to get my family to be healthy. And that's when it really kicked off for me. Um, I also used lifting as a tool to get to relieve stress, basically. Okay. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, it's kind of just stayed as one of the top things that I do. I started off just running and lifting occasionally in the gym, and then it just continued. Okay. You know, I've ne I don't think I've ever said this on air before, but in any roughly four-year block of of undergrads that I've seen over the years, there's always one or two that are like interested in aesthetics, you know, and physique and not just team sports, right? So uh, listeners, different universities, including the one I'm at, some of them are just so jock oriented. Other ones really aren't. But uh, so I'm in a position where I see a lot of people, probably six out of 10, maybe seven out of 10 are on team sports. So it's unusual when someone comes along and breaks the mold and says, no, I like hypertrophy. Like, I like bodybuilding type stuff, you know, and John was one of those. So we started just having some conversations about diet and training and that sort of thing. And, um, and it's fun to have conversations with people like that who are educated on the topic because then you could get a little dig a little deeper and whatnot. So um, I'll tell you what, let's go ahead and go to break just a little early. And then when we come back, I've got some questions uh, for John uh, about how he's approaching his first competition, especially because he is in the th late stage throes of a, of a pretty serious diet. So uh, we'll be back. Hey listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle. Oh, you poor meathead. All that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what. Uh, there is a book available. You could simply Google CRC Press and Lowry. And what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote-unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, there's enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety, uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. You can just Google that. And uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single-digit uh, royalty on the book. But that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. Iron Radio is, of course, primarily a podcast. But over the years, there have been technical glitches calling for backup streaming and listeners who wanted the convenience of other sources of audio content. Toward this end, Iron Radio is now simulcast and backed up on YouTube. If needed, please search Lawnman07 or Iron Radio from within YouTube. There's not much video, but if you like to listen through YouTube on a Roku or other living room device, there you go.
like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Okay, folks, we're back. It's Phil and Lonnie, and we have John Kilborn. He's a physique competitor uh, locally here in my area in Ohio, uh, and he is late stage, getting ready for a competition. He's been dieting hard and training hard. Um, so questions for John. Number one, why did you choose to compete? I mean, it's a big step, right? One of our emails earlier was about this. The guy was so grateful that he competed. Phil was just commenting. Why did you choose to actually compete? Um, I believe that I chose to actually compete simply because... I've been lifting for a while, and I wanted to really broaden my scope with the fitness industry, and the next plausible step for me was to actually step on stage, figure out what a real prep was like, and just kind of take it from there. Okay. Yeah, so you just wanted to be able to walk the walk, really. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of trainers out there, we all know, that they try to give a lot of training advice and whatnot, and they've never really... They don't know what a harsh diet really is, or you know, they don't want. They don't know what it's like to, I don't know, squat over four or five hundred pounds, or be four or five percent body fat. You know, there's a, there's a, I'm not saying you have to do that to be a trainer, but you got to think that would help. Yeah, there's uh, definitely a learning curve, I'd say. Is this something you want to use to then build a reputation for yourself and then get clients? Is that part of it? Yeah, that has something to do with it. Um, I don't think I would train specifically physique athletes or bikini athletes or anyone like that super soon just because I don't have as much experience. Um, just doing one show I don't think gives me enough experience to tell someone else exactly how they should do their prep, but it gives me a good beginning to do it. Well, that's well, already that, – yeah, I appreciate that. that. <laughs> that's, re that's refreshing to hear. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's like a theme, right? John, you probably listened to us before, but, you know, being the curmudgeons, you know, it's so many people, yeah, they compete once and they're, they're a, a know-it-all, you know, or... Yeah. Or, uh, I'm not... I'm definitely not a guru. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how did you prepare? How did you choose uh, this contest? Did you go to it the prior year? Did you... Do you know what you're getting into? That kind of stuff. Right, so um, this competition that I'm choosing to do is actually uh, extremely local to where we live. Um, it's only, I believe, 20 minutes from my house. So I heard about it three years ago, and then two years ago I went to my first one, and last year I went again with a better understanding of what it was, and I kind of scoped out what people looked like, how people were doing stuff, how big of a venue it was, and then ever since I saw it, I've been planning to compete in it. So you must have felt like watching those guys, you'd probably be competitive. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's smart, right? I think that's why some people, they get eager to compete, but you gotta do your homework beforehand on some level, I would think. Phil, is it like that with strength stuff too, or is it just more 
you know, relaxed and you just compete in whatever comes along. You know, uh, well, there's so much of it now. So, I mean, it's so popular now compared to what it was. Um, there's a lot more picking and choosing of which ones you're going to go to. Oh, because um, mm-hmm. it used to be. I mean, we just we'd have to drive. But now there's damn near a meet every other weekend or something. So right, yeah. there's a lot more now of you see a lot more people picking meets who uh, uh, the person running the meet has a reputation of throwing a good meet. So those fill up really fast. And versus the ones who don't have a reputation for running good meat, so makes sense. Uh, that's that's the main thing. Yeah, I would I would argue, and if anybody doesn't like this, I'm sure they'll email us in. But that it's actually tougher to get competitive, like uh, bodybuilding physique type experience, because it's a it's almost a, a year commitment. You know, a half a year for bulking and putting on some mass, and then half a year of of dieting. You know, the barriers to entry. I would think are a little higher than someone who just wants to get their feet wet, you know, um, with the powerlifting kind of thing. I'm not saying people should just enter powerlifting with, with no coaching, right? In that well, kind of yeah. Thing. But, I mean, literally, though, I mean, I think you're right in a way. I mean, if somebody went on a bodybuilding stage and was just clearly out of shape, they'd get booed off the freaking stage. Whereas if somebody comes in a powerlifting meet and, I don't know, even a 275 guy comes in and squats 315, they're not going to get booed. People are going to cheer for them still. Right. You know, even if they're incredibly weak compared to who they're going against. Less as long as they're up there doing their best. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, it. I get it. I mean, because you've got judges, but the crowd's not so judgmental, right? They're supportive and, yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah that's... That's definitely one of the – I think in order of, like, coolness in the crowd, probably at the top is, like, Highland Games. You know, everybody's yeah. just having a good time. Then powerlifting. Then, yeah, physique stuff down at the bottom. Again, yeah, it's a little more judgmental. I don't, yeah. I don't want to concern yeah. John. <laughs> you know, he's heading yeah. into his first show. and he's, oh, Everybody's yeah. going to expect it's... him to be, you know, um, <laughs> Phil Heath or something. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if he walked on stage looking like Jack Black, I mean, he would be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, right. Well, and you know what I mean about the time commitment, too. I mean, John's been dieting. Well, let's ask you, John. How long have you uh, been dieting? Because you were lean to begin with. but Right. Um, I actually started my diet 17 weeks ago. Okay. The actual cutting phase of my diet, I guess. How lean were you when you started? What, do you know uh, your percent fat? Of, according to BodPod, I was 10% body fat. Okay. Yeah, so you were already pretty lean. And you still spent 17 weeks. So, yeah, to me, that, that creates, uh, you know, four months, five months of semi-starvation. That's a barrier, man, <laughs> for a lot of people just to give it a try. And since you can – now, I've always been a fan of competing more than once once you're ready. And, John, I think you're going to do that too, right? You're actually going to compete back-to-back, I think, on weekends? Yeah, back-to-back. Yeah. that's It's grueling, but, you know, when you get yourself – you know, like you and I were talking the other day, striations in your in your quads and your glutes. Man, that takes some work to get there, and you might you might as well enjoy it. You know, compete more than once, kind of thing. But yeah, the the number of competitions I would think that you can do, um, per year in bodybuilding and physique type stuff. It that it can it's not going to be half a dozen for most people. You know. No. There were a couple of pros who actually tried some of that, but you know, there's there's a different um, hormonal realities at work with some of that. Um, so, what's your general diet philosophy? A lot of times, people are interested in how to get lean, and I know you're very lean. I don't know. Do you have a 
Let me back up for a minute. Do you have um, any numbers on how lean you are right now? Uh, according to Bod Pod from two weeks ago, I was sitting at four percent. Oh, so yeah, you have striations in your in your thighs. So, yep. Yeah. Um, so how did you get there? I mean, because you, you didn't have that at ten percent. So what was your general sort of diet approach? Um, at first, I basically kept the same macros that I was having, but switched all of my foods to healthier, cleaner options. Um, instead of having like, you know, sheets takeout, I would switch it with chicken and rice and something like that. That was how I started it. And then basically, I just washed my macros and adjusted my carb intake and my fat intake. Uh, basically, every other week, I would drop it down a little bit or see what I needed to do to keep getting leaner. And that's what I've done the whole time. Okay. About how much did you pull out? Like, where did you start at grams of carbs and how many grams did you pull out every few weeks? That kind of thing. Right. Um, I'm not that big. I'm, I started at 170 pounds. So I was at like 170 to 200 grams of protein um, 300 to 400 grams of carbs, and then I was around 75 to 100 grams of fat per day. Um, I started pulling out some of those at like week four, and then I would go down by about 50 grams of carbs each week. I kept my protein basically the same the entire prep, mm -hmm. and then my fat uh, didn't go down much, but now it's down to about 60 grams. Um, but my carbs just continue to decrease, and then for the past four weeks, I've been sitting at 100 grams of carbs. Okay. And you're, are you going to go down to 50 in the last week or no? Well, you're about to carb up, aren't you? So that's, you're probably at rock bottom right now. Right. Well, the last, uh, the last week has been up and down a little bit. It's more, I guess it's closer to like 60 to 70 grams of carbs for this past week. Yeah, per day. That is... That's over a whole yeah. day. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's yes. harsh. That's harsh. Yeah, I think what you're doing is is fairly common, right? And it's sort of tried and true. I mean, you can look at the science or you can look at the the practice, but either way, yeah, progression models for fat loss is what people don't do. We've all talked about that before. Like anybody's naturally going to have a progression model to try to peak out at a strength of that. You know, you're not going to just Oh, I think I'll bench 405 today. You know, you work toward that. And then with fat loss, people don't do progression models. I don't know why. They just cut all their calories all at once. And again, that would be akin to like just trying a 405 bench press, you know, instead of trying to progress toward that, in this case, downward toward that goal, right? So uh, what about the training side of things? So, I mean, you are eating very little, so, I mean, for your size, I get it, and you're trying to keep the protein up. Um, what's the general training approach from the beginning uh, to now that you're only a week out? Um, so it started off as actually seven days a week of lifting, uh, two of those days being lighter arm days, so they didn't really crush me in the gym. But I would do a, a chest day, a back day, and a leg day, uh, with shoulders thrown in there and I would basically just cycle through that the entire week um, three three and then the fourth day which would be Sunday would be arms um, and I've kept that 
pretty consistent up until this the past two weeks. Um, and then in terms of cardio, I would walk in the morning, fasted cardio, started off at 30 minutes. And then as I've progressed and gotten closer, it's gotten uh, significantly longer. Now I'm at an hour of fasted cardio in the morning, uh, five days of the week. And then at night, three days a week, I would do um, some high-intensity interval training. Uh, I like using a bike because it's not as much impact. And I'll do 30 seconds all-out sprint on a bike and then take four minutes rest and then do that four times. Uh, Absolutely destroys me, but I feel that it's helped me a lot in losing some extra body fat. Yeah, I read some work out of a Toronto lab years ago. I mentioned it on the podcast that, um, yeah, just doing four or five bouts of 30 to 60 second sprints on a bike, you can actually boost mitochondrial density. I think it was like 16% or something over a two-week period. So keeping up the fat-burning machinery and stuff, um, that way you leave the weights alone. I'm guessing you're trying to keep your weights up, right? Right. So... Actually, uh, it was kind of interesting. The first four weeks of training, I kept the exact same schedule for lifting as I had been for the for the three weeks before starting my cut. And with just eating better, not changing my macros at all, but just eating better food and kind of having the mindset of the prep is actually starting, um, I was hitting some lifetime PRs and some Mm. lifts, which I was very surprised about. I squatted 405 for two for the first time in my life. Um, I bench pressed the 100-pound dumbbells for three, which I had never even touched them before. And uh, I was pretty surprised by that. But that's significantly lower now that I'm carb depleted. So, Yeah, a little strung out. Uh, I think it was Mike Mentzer used to talk about metabolic momentum uh, in this idea that you, you know, you get so focused on what you're doing with your training and your eating. I don't know, maybe something hormonal happens or whatever, and you just start to roll and you start to see unexpected progress. But that is unusual that, yeah, you'd be hitting PRs. Uh, but like you said, it was earlier in your diet too. Maybe you were just getting really motivated. Maybe just that psychological thing that there's a contest waiting weeks down the road, you know, something like that going on. Right. So. Yeah, signing a sheet can do that. I mean, for sure, just on the mental side of things. That's all I know. It's just like after a meet. Like the week after my, I had my meet, what, a month ago? And the week after I come in, I squat 405, and I'm like, oh, my God. How did I squat 700 pounds? Because 405 <laughs> yeah. feels like it's going to crush me. Right. And ha- that's just mental. That's because I know uh, I don't need to. You know, I'm, I just did it. So, yeah. And now it's not so bad. You know, a month out, it's like, okay, I can move weight again. It's good yeah, to know yeah. that, Phil, that yeah. you still have that after all these years. That, oh, you know, that, yeah. that, and again, that sort of in the back of your mind, that that hope for something big. You know, there's this meat yeah. looming, and it's still enough to, it's still yeah. enough to motivate you, huh? Oh, yeah. You're getting ready to step on the stage, and I mean, it just, okay, it's time to get real. Yeah. You know, and then there's the, like, like for, for me on, and what we do, it's you put on a single, you go on stage. So there's a lot of people that train in them. It'd be like him him training in his posing suit. Oh, I don't. Yeah. I don't. It's like that's my okay. It's time to go on the field. You know, I only put that thing on when it's time to step on the platform. 
Oh, yeah. Like it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's like, okay, it's real now. I got my uniform on. It's time to go. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. No, that's cool. Yeah. Um, all right, so, John, you're heading into a, a final week. What are your plans for water balance and all that kind of stuff? Just whatever you want to share. Uh, for water balance, I'm currently at a gallon and a half of water each day. I've been at that basically the entire prep, um, and I'm going to keep that for the first three days. Um so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm going to go down to a gallon. And then Friday, I'll probably do three-fourths of a gallon. And then Friday morning, just sip as I feel that I need it. But I'm not doing anything drastic. I'm not cutting out my water for an entire day or right, yeah. loading. No, I hear you. And then, and then uh, sodium, I've just kept consistent. It does. I feel that my diet doesn't have a ton of sodium in it, so mm. I haven't really touched it that much. Yeah. And then um, basically that's all the little things that I'm even thinking about. I think yeah. some people make a mistake when they, they try to sodium load and then cut all at once because you know, you're playing with – aldosterone and some of these hormones and you're kind of banking on these windows of them going up and down i've always just liked the whole idea of kind of salt to taste not that i would salt food but you know what i mean like um i don't know like early in the week i'm still eating like i always do whatever that would be and then on on friday try to cut it cut the sodium way down but not like i would never really sodium low maybe early in the week i'd have a couple of cans of tuna or something that might be a little more sodium but um, yeah, that makes sense to me. What about carbs? Are you going to carb up at all? Uh, you don't want to overspill because in um, in the men's physique category, right? You're you need to be shredded above all else, I would think. So, how are you going to do the carb up? Are you going to carb up? Um, I've been trying to figure out how to do this. Um, I'm actually running without a nutrition coach, so basically, I'm doing trial and error with myself. Um, I'm, my current plan is to carb up in the beginning of the week, take it down and then Friday night, just have a decent carb meal. And then Saturday morning, have one more small carb meal and then it's showtime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think potatoes have always been a favorite with bodybuilders because it's carbs and it's potassium. You know, it's. It's going to get your electrolytes in the right place. It's going to carb you up. How are you going to do it? Are you going to use yams or potatoes or rice, or what are you going to do with the carbs? Uh, yep, I'm going to use uh, sweet potatoes. Okay, yep. It's Tried and true. Been, yeah, it's been what I've been using all prep. Um, I have a friend who decided to have Chipotle as their pre-carb meal, and they're bloated and don't feel good about <laughs> it. So <laughs> I'm not... I'm not going to throw in anything that my body's not used to. I don't feel that that's a smart move. Yep. Now, along those lines, you said you've already kind of experimented a little. Um, so you've done a little bit of water or carb manipulations since you've been lean just to see how your body responds? Yeah. For the past three weeks, I've been consistent um, at my weight. So last week, I decided to do a little trial and error run. Um, it worked out okay. 
I think there's a couple adjustments I'm going to make, but it was basically what I said, high carb in the beginning of the week, cut some down, and then Friday and Saturday just carb up right before the show. Yeah, that's a practice show in my case. Yeah, I think that's very wise. You know, a lot of people, they they try weird shit (laughs) right before they get on stage. They think they can get just a little drier or a little bigger or, and again, I don't know if that happens as much with some of the, like the physique categories, like it does with the bodybuilding, pure bodybuilding stuff. Um, But yeah, they, they do dumb stuff instead of saying, Hey, while I'm lean, let me see how my body responds to X, Y, or Z, you know, a little creatine or carbs or changing sodium and potassium or, or whatever, you know, just doing your homework sort of thing. Uh, now, right. you're going to compete in more than one category. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, I am competing as um, physique, and then I am doing classic physique as well. Um, my day for the competition actually is kind of packed. Um, there's a model search with this competition too. Um, it's basically just doing all the physique poses again. Um so I'm doing that, which is early in the morning, and then the physique and then classic physique. And there's actually two classes for classic physique that I'm doing, the open classic physique and then the novice classic physique, just to give me a little bit more um, time on stage. Yeah. And it is my first show, so I think putting myself in more things is more beneficial for my first show than just trying to go all out for one uh one time on stage, Agreed. you're up there for two minutes. It's not as much as if you're up there for 15 minutes. Yeah, that, that's that's smart. Uh, now, are you going to peak? Like, ultimate peak, are you looking at these shows equally? Are you going to try to peak for, the, for this first one, and then the second one's just an aftermath? Or is it the reverse of that? What are you thinking is for your... I mean, it's only plus or minus a week, you know, but what's, what's in your mind? Right. Um, what for... It's... It's been complicated to think about because this it was my this first one was my original show that I wanted to do, um, but I did decide to do the second show, which was the weekend after. Um, and I think that I'm gonna try and peak for the second show just because I'll have the experience on stage for the fir- from the first show. Um, but my biggest thing is that it's my first show, my first time competing, my first time truly dieting down to this and I'm not as focused on how well I can hit my peak but I'm more focused on getting on stage and getting the experience and mm-hmm. you know if I come in overspilled or if I come in really really dry and look really great um, I'm gonna be happy either way I stepped on stage I took the you know the big leap and did everything I could if I mess up a tiny bit I'm not gonna be upset with myself mm-hmm. uh, my main goal is just to step on stage and yeah i'm gonna try my hardest to do my best at it but i'm jumping the uh barrier to start so mm. i think that's the important part that's wise yeah that's good thinking i would i would say go conservative on your first one right better to like place in the hardware you know like let, let's say there's 15 or 20 guys in your class i don't know how big the show is if you're in the top five and you're being compared a lot and you know that's a that's a real rush to be able to do that and then you'll have confidence heading into the second show if you wanted to try some extra carbs or whatever experiment a little that might be the time to to do that i don't know you know so 
right. what else last question what else is going through your head right now like it's your first contest you've been dieting for a long time are you in a good place what are you thinking about as a competitor um well as a competitor and as a, a normal person i think they're very different right now like i said i graduated uh recently it was uh last weekend and i had the biggest life change of my life uh <laughs> i went from living in a college dorm to living back with my mom and having to deal with conflict of interest of when we're eating and how we're eating right so mm -hmm. Definitely some big changes happened in the past week, which may or may not affect my overall physique come show day, but um, it's been stressful coming back, starting a job, waking up totally different hours, not getting the time of the day to lift that I like. Um, but I'd say I'm pretty, ex I'm still excited about my show, super pumped. Um, with low carbs and stuff, I've been hangry for sure <laughs> <laughs> i can't deny that i've definitely been uh grouchy moody yeah. yes grouchy very moody um but besides that i'm keeping a pretty positive attitude about it i'm trying to make do with what i have so right on do you think it's helped you uh some people say that they would never compete in the midst of other big life changes some people think it helps. I mean, Franco Colombo used to say that, but he actually thought that studying for his chiropractic exams and all that, um, like the training and the competing, sort of fit with that. I think, if I'm remembering that right, are you the kind of person, do you think it helped? Or do you think it was maybe a, mis you know, it's a mistake to try to do these two big things at once, like, you know, graduate and do your first show? Helpful or, or uh, were they conflicting? Um... You know, I don't really know if I think there's much of a difference as of right now. I'm also studying to do the uh, take the CSCS for the NSCA, so I've been studying my ass off for that too. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I think if you have the right mindset going into it, you're gonna do what it takes to do everything you need to get done. Um, it might have been a little easier diet-wise if I didn't just move home the pa the last two weeks of my prep. Yeah, but not it's not changed significantly i think the biggest change is the butter that i'm using which isn't a big deal <laughs> so <laughs> right no i mean not it's not anything that i can really touch on right okay well good luck when you get on stage ma'am because that's uh, well, thank you it's coming up very very soon it's it's a great experience, like you said. I, I like your approach. I think it's very mature that you're looking at just the experience of it, of the dieting, of the training, and then gaining as as much literal time on stage as possible. You know, through the event, it's it's as important as your placing in many ways. You know, and to some people, this is like a huge, you know, bucket list kind of thing. It takes a lot of prep and all that. So. Well, thanks for coming on. I appreciate that. Just sharing your insights. It's fun, especially because this is your first competition. I thought, let's just see how an educated guy is, you know, approaching this. And I think you're going to do really well, frankly. I haven't seen any physique shots of you, you know, uh, but I know how lean you were to begin with, right? And I, if if you're four percent fat, you're gonna you're gonna do some damage. I'm sure you'll be competitive. So, good stuff. All right, everyone. Thank you. Yep. Have a good one.
Hey listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store. One for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry, and they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, the stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.